millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 21st. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, during a funeral service for a man run over by an off-duty Jackson police officer, civil rights leaders call for justice and a federal investigation. Then state lawmakers are trying to determine how to improve the state employee health insurance plan to keep teachers in classrooms. Plus, emergency managers remind folks to get prepared for a cold and wet winter. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The family of Dexter Wade laid him to rest yesterday for... It's been some eight months after he was struck and killed by a vehicle driven by an off-duty Jackson police officer. The 37-year-old was buried in a pauper's grave without the knowledge of his family. Hundreds gathered at New Horizon Church in Jackson yesterday for the funeral service. They were joined by civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who is also a family attorney, and Reverend Al Sharpton. Sharpton offered the eulogy during the service at the request of the family. I wanted to come for two reasons, Ms. Wade. I wanted to give words of comfort to the family, but I want to give words of discomfort to the state of Mississippi. And I hope when I finish saying what I say, that the family can find comfort, but that the city and the police department and the state of Mississippi can find some discomfort. What happened to Dexter is a disgrace, a national outrage, and should be treated as such. I remember it wasn't long ago that I went on my show and talked about how they had polluted the waters and we had a problem with the waters in Jackson, Mississippi. I called some of my friends that I work with down here and they said there was even a stench in some parts of the water. Well, I come to tell you today there's something else stinking in Jackson, Mississippi. There's something don't smell right about what happened to Dexter. And just like we stood up with Jackson about the water, 
Just like we stood up with Jackson when they wanted to take the power of policing, it is time for the mayor and the city council to stand up for Dexter. The body of Dexter Wade was exhumed last week, so an autopsy could be performed. Attorneys for Wade's family say police claim to have trouble identifying him before he was buried in an unmarked grave. But during the autopsy, lawyers say a pathologist found a wallet and it had several IDs in it. Reverend Sharpton says that doesn't add up. How do you explain how a young man ends up buried? The autopsy said that He had state ID in his front pocket, had his driver's license, yet you couldn't find his mother, you couldn't find some loved one, you let him lay in the morgue and then go and bury him, the off-duty officer that drove, you didn't go back on duty and do your job of identifying something that you did or you decided it was a hit and run. And you could not have covered this up by yourself. You think I got here today, I'll be here until we see the prosecution of everybody involved in the death of Dexter Wade. That could have been my son. That could have been your son. If you think you can put him on a shelf and bury him and Potter feel like he didn't exist and we wouldn't do nothing about it, you were sadly mistaken. His life mattered to his mama, to his daughters, and we're going to make it matter all over this country. Crump is trying to determine why events played out the way they did. He says it was ultimately the decision of the family to have the body exhumed, a decision that he says is very difficult to endure. Reverend Al and I, almost 17 years ago, had to go through exhuming a body, and it's a truly emotional journey when you exhume a body. And it's very tough decision. I remember Dennis here in Mississippi, they had to exhume Emmett Till to get some justice. And then they had to exhume Mega Evers here in Mississippi to get some justice. So I'm not surprised in 2023 we had to exhume Dexter Wade to get some justice. The push to find out what happened to Dexter Wade has been led by his mother, Betterstein Wade Robinson. She thanked everyone for attending the service and says she's grateful for the support in getting justice for her son. I appreciate everybody's help because when this battle started, I started by myself. I started on that path trying to find Dexter. I begged Dexter to come home. Dexter, you made it home. And I want to say to you, I am sorry that I wasn't there. But baby, you know, and you kept on. You told mama, don't stop, because I'm out here. And I found him. And I really found him. 
for his two girls because he loved them so, so much. And I wanted them to know what happened to their dad. And right now, I thank everybody for just fighting with me. Just keep fighting with me because it's not over yet. We just letting, we just letting Dexter go home and walk around heaven with his father on the Golden Street. And that's what he always said. I'm going home to my father. And I'm going to walk the Golden Street with my father. And now, Dexter, you are home. And I thank everybody. I just, from the bottom of my heart, I thank everybody. Attorneys for Wade's family are calling on the Justice Department to investigate his death. Coming up, the state lawmakers are trying to determine how state employee health insurance plans can be improved to keep teachers in classrooms. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. There's useful information for you on MPB Think Radio's local programming this morning. Personal finance is the focus on Money Talks at 9. At 10, there are discussions of your legal rights on In Legal Terms. Relatively Speaking has advice on maintaining good relationships with friends and family at 11. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A legislative task force is offering possible solutions for improving the health insurance plan for state workers. In its final meeting on Monday, the State Life and Health Insurance Task Force heard testimony about how teacher pay raises have been partially negated by higher premiums and deductibles. Jason Reed has been teaching in Mississippi for 15 years. He has two children on the state health plan. He told members of the task force that Mississippi is losing teachers to surrounding states because they have more heavily subsidized health insurance plans. I'm actually a two-time cancer survivor, and both of those bouts of cancer have gone through under the plan. Uh, first one was about 10 years ago. I was only 27 years old, and then the second time was just last year at 37. I, I've had a deep dive into our health insurance. The major concerns, number one, first and foremost, is the premium costs and the increases. So those are the sticker prices that the teachers see that really drive the perception. The narrative always is that pay raises are always coincide with raises in insurance. And I think that that is partially true. But I think what's also true is that insurance also raises when we don't get pay raises. And some of the data can show this. So in 2019, just in the last five years, we had a $1,500 pay raise. Well, at the beginning of 2019, before that pay raise would have been implemented, there was a 3% increase in the insurance. And then the second half of that school year, another 3%. And then in 2021, an additional 3%. And there was no pay raise after that. In 2021, we did get a pay raise, $1,000. Then there was a 6% increase on top of that in 2022. Then in 2022, we had the larger pay raise that everyone's very aware of. 
you know, averaging about $5,000 or so. And that was followed with another 6% increase. And now we were just alerted during open enrollment that in 2024, it's another 5% increase. So over five years, that's a 26% increase. To help you understand what a teacher is feeling is, and I'm, I'm the one that dies into the numbers. Most teachers don't know any of those percentages. But the actual, if you take the 5,000 pay raise for me that I got in 2022, after the normal deductions and stuff, it, it amounted to about a $284 a month increase from the prior year. So at the same time, the health insurance rose an additional $18 a month to $317 a month. Teachers are looking at, oh, well, my pay went up $284, but it's still not as much as the health insurance costs on a monthly basis. And I think that's kind of what ends up happening. Among the recommendations being made to the legislature is one urging lawmakers to see how the state plan compares to nearby states. And when they do this, Mississippi could create more competitive premiums and deductibles. Torin Ballard is K-12 Policy Director at Mississippi First, a nonprofit organization that advocates for education advancement in the state. I do think the highlight of today's meeting was really hearing the teacher perspective directly. A lot of the previous task force meetings have been focused more on some of the technical aspects of the plan. And so today was great because we actually got to hear about what the plan is like for people who are on it. And from what we heard, you know, this narrative that we're hearing about premium costs and deductible costs eating up teacher pay raises is absolutely correct. We have these theoretical conversations at the Capitol about, you know, the best way to manage the plan, looking at kind of the macroeconomic view. But at the end of the day, what matters is the experience for teachers and state employees. And I thought he made an excellent point about how teachers are leaving the profession and teacher salaries are a big part of that. But that plenty of teachers are leaving really just because the state health plan is not a sustainable avenue for health insurance for them. And he noted that it's especially teachers who are earlier in their careers who are getting married and starting families. And that matches up with what I'm seeing in my own research as well, which is that we're seeing some of our highest attrition rates from the the teaching profession in Mississippi in that kind of early career range, you know, people from you know, five to 11 years of experience, which is a time in which people are getting married, having kids, and then realizing that, oh, if they're going to have health insurance for their kids on their state health plan, they're going to wind up forking over, over, you know, up to $10,000 over the course of a year for that. So I think it was really helpful to kind of hear what that experience is actually like for members on the state health plan. Today was the final meeting, laundry list of, of recommendations the task force is going to present to the legislature. Could you help break those down for me and just explain which ones you think would be the most impactful in addressing some of these issues? Sure. So we had, there was a lot of recommendations. There was, I think I counted nine overall. And the the vast majority of these recommendations have to do with the relationship between the state health plan and the pharmacy benefit manager. Now, Healthcare policy is not my expertise, and I don't understand a lot of the or what the implications would be of a lot of these, you know, changes. So, for instance, 
I think the way I would describe it generally is increasing transparency of how the contract works between the pharmacy benefit manager and the state health plan. My sense is that we're really trying to make sure that the state health plan isn't getting overly gouged by the pharmacy benefit manager um, and making sure that we are saving money for the plan wherever we can. Um, so that was the majority of the policy recommendations, but there was a few that I think are, would potentially have a more direct impact on actual members of the plan. And so the very last recommendation is look into what it would cost the state to start reducing the premiums and deductibles on the state health plan and you know what amount of subsidy or cost sharing the state would have to pay to start making Mississippi more competitive with surrounding states. And quite simply, the way that they do that is that the state just covers a bigger share of those premiums the same way that we cover the premiums for individual employees. But because we don't have the same benefits for dependents, that leaves teachers and other state employees who are trying to raise a family with a huge bill at the end of each month. Telling the legislature just to look into it, what does what does that look like? Sure. I mean, looking into you know what something would cost is certainly a far cry from actually passing legislation that would enact these changes. But I do think that the fact that Senator DeBar offered this recommendation for the task force's final report shows that we are moving in the right direction here. We actually did get a bill introduced in the session last year that would have cut premiums for dependents by 50%. It would have required the state to pay for 50% of those premiums. Um, I did some analysis on those numbers and found that, yeah, it, it, it's not cheap. It probably would cost the state around maybe 60 to 65 million a year to cover those premium subsidies, but that that would directly save families, you know, a couple thousand dollars individually, which if you're on a teacher's salary, that's going to be a, a pretty significant amount to be able to save. Um, that bill was introduced and it did not go anywhere. They did not even bring it up for a vote on the House Insurance Committee where it had been referred to. So I'm just optimistic that we're getting to the point where the chair of the Senate Education Committee is offering a recommendation that we actually at least start looking into some of these numbers. Um, like I said, that is definitely a very different step than actually passing legislation to do so. But if we are ever going to pass legislation to reduce premiums for dependence on the state health plan, this would be the first logical step. And so I'm optimistic because of that. Torn Ballard is K-12 Policy Director at Mississippi First. Next, emergency managers are reminding folks to get prepared for a cold and wet winter. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB. Think Radio. Your old vehicle could be your next donation to support Mississippi Public Broadcasting at mpbonline.org. Happy Thanksgiving from MPB Think Radio. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. 
I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The National Weather Service in Jackson predicts Mississippi will face a tough winter season. The Federal Emergency Management Agency is reminding folks to get prepared for extreme conditions. An El Nino weather pattern caused much of this summer to be extremely dry. It's forecast to rain or snow heavily in December and January. So, Mississippians should expect icy driving conditions and other forms of severe winter weather. Allie Jasper is a spokesperson with the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. She says they're also going to push out some weather preparedness information in the coming days. During this winter weather season, we could see anything in Mississippi from flooding to winter weather. We've even seen tornadoes on Christmas Day here recently. So we need to be prepared for anything. And how we tell people to do that is to make sure that they have multiple ways to receive alerts and warnings, make sure that they have some type of go kit and disaster kit in their home. But when it's winter, we also suggest people have a go kit in their car, things like a first aid kit, jumper cables, blankets, and a cell phone charger, even water and snacks in case you get stranded in some type of winter weather. So that's how we tell people to prepare for winter weather when it comes to just getting things in order and making sure that you have things that can sustain you until help gets there. Okay. So what about in terms of the home? What should people be thinking about to get their homes uh, prepared for severe weather? Well, absolutely. Go ahead and check your insurance. See what your policy says about winter weather and your coverage there. Also, if it's going to be freezing temperatures, insulate your pipes and let your faucets drip. Also, plan for power outages. Is your home ready to sustain two to three days without power? Do you have candles? Do you have flashlights? Do you have things to keep your kids entertained during a power outage? Things like that. Also, go ahead and take pictures right now. And when we say take pictures, take pictures of your home as it is. When we see winter weather, we could see it, things like hail. So take pictures of your roof. What does that look like? Your gutters in case it's heavy with snow and they fall. Take a picture of what your home looks like before so that when you send it to the insurance, they have a good comparable image to help you proceed with your case. And when you talked about taking outside pictures, you also mean inside as well, right? Absolutely, because some of your pipes could burst and you would want to take pictures of inside of what your home looks like before so that if you have water damage, you can compare that before and after. Thinking about the the seriousness of severe weather and all of the damage that it can cause is so daunting. Sometimes it's so daunting, I would think some folks might say, well, it's not going to happen here, so I'm going to push that to the back of my mind. I think everybody has this idea of it's not going to happen to me, and that's the complete wrong way to look at it. You would always rather be safe than sorry. So just take a few additional steps. Look at your pipes. Look at your windows. Check your fireplace. Just a few things to make sure that your home is ready for the cooler weather. And when you say check the fireplace, what should you be looking for there? 
Um, if you have a gas-burning fireplace, make sure that it's working correctly. If you have a wood-burning fireplace, make sure that your sw- your chimney has been swept and that there's no blockage there that could cause a fire. Um, when we get into this colder weather, a lot of times we do see house fires, which can be completely dangerous and life-threatening. So we ask people to check their, their fireplaces, their heaters, their thermostats, things like that, and then be extremely safe when you're using space heaters, that they're not going to be towards any fat fabric or anything that could catch fire and then catch your on fire. Is it dangerous to plug a space heater into an extension cord? It is. Um, I think the firefighters could go into this into more detail, but absolutely you are not supposed to uh, plug those into any uh, anything but the, the wall circuit. And if you cannot leave the home and severe weather erupts, what do you tell people to do? Well, make sure that your family knows where you are. Um, if you have, if you're elderly or um, or homebound, make sure that somebody knows where you are and that can come check on you or at least give you a phone call if you need anything. And then, of course, you can always call emergency services if it becomes an emergency and you need to be taken from your home. Allie Jasper, Public Information Officer, Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you giving us these vital tips. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.